Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Wednesday. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. As I say every day, we are getting closer and closer to the start of Browns training camp and going to the Greenbrier uh, in West Virginia, where the Browns will spend their first 10 days of camp. But we're going to start with some news today uh, involving Perion Winfrey, the Browns. Uh, didn't waste much time in releasing him after a report came out. Uh, that he is a, an aggravated robbery suspect. A woman accused him of threatening her with a gun and assault. There was a disturbing social media video that was going around where you can hear Perion's voice in the background, uh, details of the police from the police report. Uh, obviously not great. Uh, if you can find that at cleveland.com slash Browns, you can see all of the, the details there in Mary Kay's story about it. So Perion Winfrey, uh, no longer a member of the Cleveland Browns. This is actually his second uh, off-field run-in with the law this off-season, Mary Kay, going back to an incident in Houston uh, where he was accused of assault of a family member. It was actually a, a woman he was dating at the time. Um, and that case was eventually dismissed uh, after he completed uh, the program he needed to complete, it, complete there. Uh, mm-hmm. But I guess the, my first question is, and I thought this back in, what, what was it, April, May, when the incident happened in Houston, why did it? Why was Perion Winfrey still a member of the Browns? Why, why did they kind of stick with him after all of that? You know, I'm going to be writing a little bit more about this today after we're done podcasting and put up a take on this. But uh, you know, the Browns have established themselves under Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski as a team that is willing to give players with troubled pasts a chance. I mean, the biggest example of that, of course, is Deshaun Watson. Uh, but there have been others, certainly. And I think that, um, you know, one of the things that this team does is they give guys a chance to rehabilitate themselves, to to kind of get themselves back together and become productive citizens as well as good football players. So I think the Browns really wanted to try to give Perry on Winfrey a chance to prove uh, that he could mature, that he could grow up, uh, that he could be. Uh, the young man and the football player that they believed he could be. He started to show some flashes of being a, a decent football player towards the end of last season when he kind of uh, got some of the maturity issues out of the way. But um, but obviously they they stuck with him a little bit too long. This incident, I've been working on it. I've you know I've read the incident report, and 
you know, Perion tweeted, the truth will come out uh, and then deleted the tweet. But, uh, you know, for the most part, the things that you can hear him saying on the video and, you know, the things that the victim states that, you know, he said and did, regardless of how the incident was sparked, are unacceptable if they actually happened that way. And, um, and it was time. It was absolutely time to part ways with him. Now he's got to go get the help that he obviously needs and get himself together. Ashley, obviously there was the off-field stuff, but then last season too was was such a roller coaster with Perry on, uh, even just as as a player. Um, you know, there was, uh, of course, he got himself suspended at one point early in the season. There was the scooter accident that wasn't actually a scooter accident. There was, you know, Miles Garrett questioned his, his work ethic publicly. Chris Kiffin, the defensive line coach last year, kind of questioned his his work ethic. He said something along the lines of when Perion decides to put together a full week, it, it's good. Um, th- there was a lot going on with Perion last season. And then, of course, you get into this stuff, this offseason, which goes beyond just like work ethic and, um, you know, just doing your job properly. It just kind of kept piling up with him. Right. And, you know, I think when it comes to the Browns giving guys, you know, a chance to rehabilitate their image, which which obviously it wasn't all this regime. Right. But like Kareem Hunt is probably the most notable example of somebody who came in, you know, had dealt with a legal issue um, because of that incident in Cleveland with a woman. And he was able to, number one, like didn't have any other incidents like this pop up, but he continued to produce on the field. And I think like those two things in the NFL are always going to kind of be meshed together. Like, yes, he was a draft pick and a guy they thought had potential, but when you have all of these off the field issues come up and when it graduates to not just disciplinary issues inside the building, but legal issues outside of the building in the off season, coupled with a player who is not then producing on the field and is becoming a distraction for others, for himself, for the team. Um, And again, I think too, this is a team that last year had a PR storm swirling around it because of everything that Deshaun Watson had um, in terms of the sexual misconduct allegations. You can't really like afford to have something else fester that's even like remotely in the same category. And these two situations are very similar but to have another player with legal issues pop up right now. And when he just got himself out of a legal situation because he completed that pre-trial diversion program, um, to then have this pop up, you know, you can understand why this sort of probably became the straw that broke the camel's back for them. Mary Kay, obviously a, a big part of this too. Um, you know, the Browns probably would have done this regardless because uh, because of how disturbing this was. Um, but a big part of this too is Perion was very much on the bubble to begin with. Um, you know, coming into this season, I, you know, I felt like it was going to be difficult for him to make this roster if really all it was going to take was somebody like Mo Hurst or Tristan Hill to kind of show that, that they could be a viable option on the inside. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got to, you've got to make a pretty compelling case to even get Perry and onto the 53. There just wasn't a lot of room. And then this happens. Um, I, you know, it's just, it's a shame because there was talent there. You know, I wasn't really impressed with what he showed in his rookie season. I, I don't know if he was ever going to turn into a legitimate defensive tackle in the league, but there was at least talent there. And Perrion just could not keep it together. And for a guy already on the bubble, 
to just have all these things pile up and then have this sort of be the, the last straw. I mean, there, there, there was nothing the Browns could have done here. No, and, and you're right. He was on the bubble, and he was also on very, very thin ice. What happened when we were at minicamp was the first two days of minicamp after he was involved in another incident where he and a friend had left a bar at 3.30 in the morning and were walking to retrieve Greg Newsom's car and were robbed at gunpoint um, by six masked gunmen in downtown Cleveland. Um, after that incident, in, in the two days after that incident, he was not outside at minicamp. He wasn't out there. And we never really heard the story of why he wasn't outside at minicamp. Uh, we asked Kevin Stefanski. He wasn't going to go there for us. He did not say if it was disciplinary. Of course, I'm sure it was disciplinary. I don't know if it was related to that incident or if it was something else, whether he was late or what. But obviously, Perrion Winfrey, in addition to being on the bubble, as you mentioned, uh, was also just on very, very thin ice and had no margin for error. And the thing that bothers me probably the most out of this incident in looking through the video and looking you know, through the information that that I have so far and reading through the incident report, I don't know, I cannot say for sure if the bruises or the bruise, the red abrasion on the victim's neck came from Perrion Winfrey, but, uh, you know, she stated that, that it, it did. And she showed a picture, um, you know, with a, with an arrow pointing to it, uh, that this happened when he put her hands on his hands on her. If he put his hands on her neck and made that kind of a bruise on her neck, that's a very obviously very, very, very serious uh, assault uh, situation. Again, I don't know if that actually happened like that. Uh, that is what the victim stated happened. And there is some, you know, there is a photo, there are three photos showing that she has this abrasion on her neck. That's so incredibly unacceptable that, it, I mean, you just cannot even overstate it. So, you know, everyone has to, to look into this, determine what happened, what's going on with Perion, And if he is someone that would do something like that, uh, then, then people need to grab a hold of him as soon as possible and, and, and get him turned around because this is dangerous. You cannot have people doing uh, committing those acts of violence against women or anyone. Well, and, and my first thought too, when, when I saw that and, you know, just the video uh, and, and the incident report was when you go back to the incident in Houston and you look at the protection order, there was some pretty, there were, there were some bad details in there about, um, that, now they weren't part of the charges, but they were part of the protection order um, against Perion. And there were some disturbing things in there kind of along those lines um, of him just crossing a line physically. So again, it just kind of comes back to the Browns probably should have just done this back then. And they, they put themselves in this position where they, they didn't do it. They, you know, kind of flew under the radar a little bit once mini camp opened and OTAs opened. And then, you know, here we are on the, the start of training camp and now he's involved in another incident and, this, this has to be an embarrassing moment for the organization right before training camp opens. And this is probably just something they should have done back in April and didn't do. I don't know if we're going to get a chance to talk to, to Andrew. Obviously we will get a chance to talk to Kevin um, once training camp opens. Um, 
I'm not sure if we're going to get a chance to talk to Andrew or the Haslam's at the Greenbrier, but, um, or if they would even answer questions about that, but, uh, it'll, it'll be, I'm curious to see sort of how they explain that. So anyway, Mary Kay, you said you have a story coming on cleveland.com. It'll probably be up by the time a lot of people listen to this, explaining why the Browns uh, did, in fact, stick with Perry on Winfrey for so long. Uh, so check that out at cleveland.com slash Browns uh, when you're listening to this. Uh, we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to change gears, and we are going to look ahead to training camp. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock. All right, we're, we're changing now into training camp mode because today quarterbacks and rookies reported to Berea. So we've seen the photo of Sean Watson walking into the building. So we're going to each kind of throw out what we're looking forward to when practice starts this week at the Greenbrier and we, when we first kind of get an opportunity to get eyeballs on this football team. Ashley, why don't you lead us off? What are you looking forward to when you get to watch this team practice? Boy, it's so funny. I feel like I've written so many, like, newsletters and stuff, especially in this vein. And now when you said that, I, like, my mind, like, went blank suddenly. But I think I'm going to come back to, I know, I kind of stuck more with, like, players to watch and things like that. So I'm going to broaden it up a little bit. I'm still, like really interested to see how Jim Schwartz is going to use this defensive line um, and how, especially how he's going to move guys around because of course, like in practices where like, it's not a hundred percent full go and you can't hit the quarterback. Like you can only get so much of a full picture of what things are going to look like. But, you know, even in OTAs and minicamp, we got to see him do things like move Zedarius Smith to the inside. And I think I'm also really curious to see, like, what it's going to look like when you do have Zedarius and Miles out there together. Because we've talked about this before. It's like when you saw Miles and Jadavian Clowney uh, playing together, you can just tell, like, okay, this is this is a little different. Like, I'm excited to see how this looks. So, um, kind of along the same lines, I think there's just so much new with that defense and Jim Schwartz. And, of course, we all know the D-line is his bread and butter. So, that's one of the things I'm most interested to kind of see. Yeah, I think that's one of the big things that a lot of people have circled, Mary Kay, is, is just sort of how it's all going to look. And training camp gives us our first real opportunity. It's not going to be super physical. I doubt we're going to see guys getting tackled to the ground. That's just not really how Kevin does his camps. But at least we are going to get to see a little bit of a pass rush, and we are going to get to see some contact finally between these D linemen and the O line. So I, I think I'm. that's definitely something that I'm looking forward to watching. Yeah, I mean, it's the marquee position on defense. Uh, we know that Jim Schwartz is going to be bringing out the best and the beast in Miles and Zadarius and, and Dalvin and Oboe and all of those guys. And I'll be curious to see, you know, how they kind of do the rotation a little bit. You know, it's always fun to to see who's out there with the first team and then, uh, you know, how they kind of work that. And there will be some things that we're going to see in training camp at the Greenbrier that we didn't see in minicamp. And I don't know how much we're going to be able to share with our readers and with the fans. I, we just don't know yet. We haven't heard really the guidelines yet. I mean, personally, if I were the Browns, I probably would p- keep it pretty close to the vest. If you have this opportunity uh, to get away and go, um, you know, be down at the Greenbrier where you don't have thousands of fans in the stands, then you know, I probably would have a tendency to try to not let too much of the cat out of the bag. But still, for us, it's going to be really fun to see who's where, when, uh, how Zadarius and Miles are, you know, connecting and meshing, 
And Dan, you wrote a really good story about oboe that's up on cleveland.com. And, um, and that, you know, is, uh, you know, that should get fans excited about what he's going to bring to the table. He's got a ton of personality. Uh, this is an eclectic group of guys and there's a new energy about them. And I think that's really going to help. I think there's new, there are new voices, new leadership and new energy on that D line. Okay. Mary Kay, what are you watching? Uh, when, when camp starts here, you know, I, I, I'm going to go Deshaun Watson to Elijah Moore. We saw a lot of it in mini camp. We kind of know what Deshaun Watson to Amari Cooper is all about. We kind of know what Deshaun Watson to Donovan Peoples Jones is all about, but I want to see some of the new stuff. That's what I'm most excited about. Uh, and probably if, if, if I had to pick one pass catcher, uh, that I will really be watching, I think it will mostly be Elijah Moore. We saw him do some pretty cool and innovative things during minicamp. That was just the tip of the iceberg, I think. Uh, I think they have big plans for him. And we've seen that Deshaun Watson has spent time over the past couple of weeks throwing to him and other guys at the University of Miami and maybe elsewhere. And I'm very interested to see how those two guys are coming together. How's the chemistry? What's it looking like? how the defensive backs are able to defend it and just what they have going on there. Yeah. And the other part of that, Ashley, is we kind of get to see like where he lines up. Do they like the, he was in the backfield a little bit during OTAs and, and mini camp and how much is he in the slot? How much is he outside? Just little stuff like that. We're going to get to see some of that install and, and just, this is the only time we get to sit, get to stand there and watch full practices. Um, you know, outside of the spring, but like, this is like really getting ready for the season time. And that that's a really great opportunity to sort of see how they feel about guys and how they want to use them. So I think that's an, a, a part of this too. Yeah. And I think with Elijah, especially it's like he, they didn't have anybody like him last year. I mean, obviously that's like why you give your second round pick or essentially move down in the draft to be able uh, to bring him here because he has something in terms of his speed. And I think we've spent a lot of time talking about this, like the Browns and Andrew Berry and them have been, you know, very, I guess, distinct in differentiating between what they see in a guy like Marquise Goodwin, who has that really good straight line speed um, and Elijah Moore, who, who has that, but that's not all he can do. You can be um, a bit more versatile in how you use him and what situations you want to use him in. So, yeah, I think that's definitely like a key connection. Obviously, I think, um, Deshaun Watson is, you know, we talked about it time and time again, like a main storyline, um, is going to be a main storyline of this training camp and how he's gelling with these new pass catcher catchers. And Elijah Moore is like at the top of that list for me. Okay. I'm going to go with, you know what? We haven't just talked specifically about Deshaun Watson, so let's just do it. I, I know we're not going to get to really see a ton of this, like probably until the season starts, but I, I do want to see like what some of the designed quarterback run game looks like. And again, I don't know, you know, we're certainly not going to see a ton of it in the first four or five days of camp. Um, I, you know, they're not going to put him at risk a lot, but I, I think we're probably going to get some opportunities, Mary Kay, to see what some of these formations look like, how much they use pistol. Now, that'll be interesting. How much he's in the shotgun and then just sort of how much designed running they maybe have planned. I know that's something they want to really add. That's a wrinkle they want to put in this, this season. You almost have to with Deshaun Watson. He's just that good of a runner. Um, 
So I, I think whatever glimpses we get to see of that in practice, that, that's kind of what I'm curious to see. I, w- I want to see how, how closely does it look like, you know, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles and, and where else are they kind of taking things from to, to kind of up that quarterback run game a little bit. Yeah, you know, I actually think that that Jalen Hurts is is going to be a good comp for what they want to do with Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, Kevin Stefanski, as we know, is pretty close to some of those Eagles coaches, you know, including Shane Steichen, who uh, now has taken over as the Colts, Colts head coach, but his offensive coordinator from last year. And I know he's watching that Jalen Hurts film. Uh, we know that the Browns are going to be practicing against the Eagles in Philadelphia um, in mid-August. And I just really think that uh, you're going to see a lot of the things that that Jalen Hurts does uh, here in Cleveland with Deshaun Watson. And I think this season is basically going to be the unveiling of uh, the new and improved 2023 version, second iteration of Deshaun Watson. I don't think we saw it last year. I think, uh, you know, they went back, took it all apart, put it back together in a way that Deshaun describes as everything's new. Uh, I do think there will be plenty of designed runs for him. I think there will be, you know, plenty of RPOs. There will be plenty of chances for him to take off running and execute those off-schedule plays. Um, So there's going to be a a lot of cool stuff that he's going to do. I mean, they're going to look at Patrick Mahomes' film, and they already have looked at plenty of Patrick Mahomes' film. So, uh, you know, there's, there's good tape out there. Uh, for what these dual threat quarterbacks can do. And you're going to see him doing things that he didn't even do in the last time he led the league in 2020 with 4,823 yards, because the game has evolved and changed since then. So yeah, this is our first glimpse of some of those things. Again, we're not going to see a lot of it because they're not going to, again, expose him, put him at risk. Um, But this is the start of something pretty big, I think, with Deshaun Watson. And Ashley, I don't, I'm trying to like, Kevin has coached mobile quarterbacks, but he's never coached a quarterback like this, with this talent level, this level of athleticism, just that whole combination, that whole package. And, you know, so he's got the ability to do some of the things Patrick Mahomes does. He's got the ability to run like a, like a Jalen Hurts. He's obviously not as big and strong as Jalen Hurts, but he's got some of that ability. Like you just put that all together. It's such a great chess piece to have a quarterback that can do all of these different things besides just, you know, run your offense really efficiently, which again is something else we know he can do. He's accurate. He's got a good arm. He checks all of those boxes too. Yeah. And I think this is like why it's such an important year for Kevin Stefanski as a play caller, right? Because Deshaun Watson, you know, in theory, as far as we know, has all these physical gifts still right now, obviously he was rusty last year. So he's going to have to show, pretty quickly given what the schedule looks like that he was able to shake that rust off from the last six games last year but knowing his physical ability like this is the chance for Kevin Stefanski to get creative they got them some new receivers some new pass catchers they kind of did a mini overhaul of that pass catching core which we've talked about that includes Jordan Akins um, in the tight end room who has that chemistry with Deshaun Watson from when they played together in Houston Um, so you've done all these things and in theory Deshaun's physical um, prowess on the field should be better with a full season this time around so I think that's why it's such an important year for the two of them to show that they can mesh really well together, that Kevin Stefanski can find the best ways to utilize 
um, this unique combination of skills that Deshaun Watson has. And this is this is why this year is so important in part. Okay, uh, we're going to keep it a little shorter today here as uh, training camp is coming. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff that we've got to do to continue to to prepare to leave for the Greenbrier. Uh, Mary Kay is going to be there for 10 days. Mary Kay, that's a long time. That's a lot of packing you have to do. Um, Ashley and I are going to split it, so we won't be there quite as long. But I do want to say, I told you guys this before we came on. There is a dress code at the Greenbrier. And... I think the people that watch our videos pretty regularly know that I'm not a big dress code guy. So <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out how to get into these restaurants and things. And, and I've got to really think about my wardrobe now, all of a sudden. Well, Dan, funny you should say that because I have been hounding my husband to get rid of, uh, he is a golf shirt addict. I mean, an addict. He has way more clothes than I do. And, uh, you know, I've got like four really nice collared golf shirts upstairs. I could probably just bring them for you. And uh, I mean, oh, he's given away probably 40 of them. But uh, for some reason, I hung on to three or four of them. And, uh, you know, they just might uh, they just might come in handy for you. He's he's going to see like one of the video thumbnails or something and be like, hey, I have that shirt, too. <laughs> you used to. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. So bonnets. Big bonnet well, people here. I don't, know if you, I don't know. You, you're bringing a bonnet, Ashley. No, no. <laughs> I, I said, actually, um, I, I prefer to try to avoid buying any clothes for this trip because I know I will never wear what I buy again. So I prefer not to have to do that and just kind of rummage through my closet and kind of rely on, on business casual attire for the most part. I'm not a golfer, so I don't have golf shirts. Well, I, well, I can tell you, I'm looking at, there's, there's two places. There's the, uh, the Draper's casual attire men's hats and baseball caps are not permitted so that's up my alley then there's another place called treetops cafe casual attire including appropriate swimwear is acceptable so i'll just be slumming it at those two places yeah can we we can show up in swimwear for practice just go right from (laughs) can we just do that (laughs) i mean this is we're gonna have stories we are going to have stories from the Greenbrier. There's no question about it. Now, I did not get a bonnet, even though uh, that it does say on the dress code that, you know, women, you know, women, you know, are, I guess, encouraged to wear bonnets. I really haven't looked at it yet. But I did order a straw hat. And so and I've never worn one before. And it's probably not going to come in time. And I probably won't wear it even if I do get it. But I did. I got it more so. <laughs> I got it more so for. um for being out in the blasting sun more so than anything. Well, here's here's just a quick FYI. This is this is going to be important to know. Jeans are considered appropriate for horseback riding, carriage rides, hiking, fishing, biking, hunting, falconry, gun club, off-road driving, and designated theme parties. Like genuinely what is falconry though? Is that where the falcons like we call them to you and they come what is falconry? That's a- 
I'm gonna Google what it here. This is... Somebody is listening and being like, "Wow, I can't believe how dumb Ashley is for not knowing this." But Boom. I promise you, I read it's, this and had no clue. It's the hunting of wild animals in their natural state and habitat by means of a oh. trained bird of prey. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's dark. Yeah, you know what? I, <laughs> but you can I wear have... jeans. You can wear jeans. I've, I've heard of falconry, but I thought it involved communicating nicely with the bird and yeah. having, you know, like a positive experience with uh, this beautiful creature. I didn't know that there was in fact, killing. That's just the first thing. Other animals. <laughs> that's just the first thing that came up on Wikipedia. So I, okay. I don't know. Speaking of which, by I'm the way, sure real quick, correct. And then we'll go. But I was interviewing somebody. I was doing a phone interview the other night with somebody for a story I'm working on. And I sometimes I do them sitting outside. My house is not real big. I don't get great reception in my basement. So it kind of limits where I can go. So it's nice out. I'll sit outside and my dog comes out back. And I'm sitting there. I got this person on speaker. I'm talking to him. And I look out in my backyard and my dog had caught something. So I'm on the phone with this person. interviewing them, trying to track down my dog who knows I'm onto him, knows that I'm trying to get him to drop this. It it turns out it was a baby squirrel. Dogs are really stupid. Trying to get him to drop this thing and go back in the house because of course he's obsessed over it. And it was just, but but I was holding my phone, my recorder, chasing my dog around, (laughs) putting myself on mute. Like it was, it was a disaster. (laughs) But wait a minute. You're burying the lead, Dan. What happened to the baby squirrel? We need to know. The, the baby squirrel is no more. Oh, no. Oh, I was so it, afraid no. you were going to say that. It did not It did not make it. I don't know if oh. it was gone before it was found or if it was gone after it was found. If it like, fell out of the tree or something. Oh, I don't know. shoot. But, yeah, it was, yeah, sad. A sad ending for our little baby squirrel in the backyard. <laughs> we have to end the podcast on a, on a brighter note. So does somebody <laughs> have something? We cannot end it on a Falconry dead baby and dead baby squirrel. <laughs> baby. Well, Paulinka went swimming last weekend. That's a positive oh. dog story. Paulinka did go swimming last weekend in our pool. And we do have a little doggy life vest for him that his trainer fitted him with. And um, yeah. It's doesn't Polenka have a bonnet of some kind? Did you send us a picture of He has a of bucket him? hat. He's got a bucket yeah. hat. Yeah, a bucket hat. That's what it was. It's Polenka and a bucket hat. He hated that too. I follow, <laughs> He follows my lead. He doesn't like bonnets. He does love bandanas though. He doesn't like, those don't seem to bother him. So yes, he did go swimming. There are pictures of it on my Instagram. I think not my Twitter, but very fun. Very cute. Positive well, dogs. Please. How's this for a segue? Speaking of Instagram, <laughs> if you like the orange and brown talk, oh, you can yeah. find us on Instagram. We're starting to build that up a little bit. We only have we only have one follower at the moment. Shout out to our guy Cantley, one of one of the good guys uh, making his way down in Columbus. Uh, but on Instagram, search orange and brown talk and follow us. We'll be posting videos there. TikTok, same thing. Just look for orange and brown talk. And of course. Find us on YouTube. That one's a little different. Just go to YouTube and search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com uh, to get all of our videos there as well. And of course, Football Insider, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page for info on that. And uh, to get signed up and get subscribed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. Uh, for Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks.